so very much for preparing our hearts. Heavenly Father, we have many questions that, Lord, you have left unanswered here on earth. But oh, how wonderful to think of the day when we shall see you face to face and we will be able to talk things over in the by and by. And we will see your glory. And Father, we will know it was worth it all. And now we ask your blessing upon our word, your word as we look into it. And may we apply it to our hearts once again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you will take your Bibles then and turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to pick up where we left off. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 9 through 14, 9 through 14. But as you recall, the Apostle Paul, as he was writing this letter to a small church in the town of Colossae, as I mentioned, it reminds me a lot of Jonestown Bible Church kind of church. Um, in the first verses, verses 1 through 8, that we looked at last week, we saw that the Apostle Paul was encouraging them and telling them how thankful he was. He was thanking God for what he had seen and heard from uh, Epaphras, who was the man that came from that church to see Paul in Rome and brought a tremendous report of them growing in their faith. They, they, Paul praised them for their faith, their love for the saints, the hope they were clinging to in Christ, and the gospel that was spreading through them. And so that, that we find his uh, words of encouragement in verses 1 through 8. But now, and, and Paul was sharing how he thanks the Lord and he's praying always for them. But now in verses 9 through 14, Paul goes into detail of what he is now specifically praying for concerning the believers in that church. And I know many of you have a prayer list. You have your names, uh, the names of those folk you pray for on it. And perhaps under those names, you have different things uh, that you mark down that you, you ask the Lord to do. It may be a friend that is sick, uh, battling something, an illness, <clears throat> health issue, and you begin praying for healing. Or it may be a broken marriage, uh, a marriage, a family that's struggling, and you're praying for them and their relationships Praying for someone who's uh, uh, maybe looking for a new job. Suddenly they lost their job and they don't know what to do. And so you pray for them. And there are all kind of aspects, things we pray for when we consider one another and we bring before the Lord. But here, the list that the Apostle Paul gives concerning the things he is praying for them is not the things that we normally would pray for someone, pray for each other concerning. As I mentioned, all these other things are more 
what we're dealing with, some of the trials and other things. But we're going to find that the Apostle Paul goes deeper than that. And so we're going to see some of these things, but let's look together at verse 9. Paul then writes, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Notice in the beginning of the verse, Paul says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we don't cease to pray for you. What's he talking about? For this reason, since we heard of it. Of course, it's what he heard in the, he mentions in the previous verses, one through eight, what he heard about how well they were doing spiritually as a church. And so, Because of that, because of the wonderful report that he received, he says, now I want you to know some of the things I'm praying for you as you move forward in your faith. And so he will begin to share. First, notice he says that we have not ceased to pray for you. We have not ceased to pray for you. Now, Praying without ceasing. We, we have read in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the apostle Paul wrote to the church there. He said, pray without ceasing. So he tells us as believers to pray without ceasing. Does he mean that I, I, I should be on my knees? I should have my eyes closed all the time, all during the day? Of course not. Praying without ceasing He's talking about the times we take during the day when we remember those folk we are praying for and we pray throughout the day, taking time, whether we're even driving our car, whether we're at home having devotions or just throughout our, our daily life as we pray. That, that is what Paul is talking about when he says pray without ceasing. And so he's ta- telling them, we are praying for you constantly we are praying for you and now we see the things that he lists here that he, he is telling them that he has a concern for the rest of verse nine we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. All spiritual wisdom and understanding. Here the Apostle Paul is concerned, his first request is a concern about them walking in the will of the Lord. The will of God, that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will, the knowledge of his will. Now, when we talk about God's will, what's the first thing you think of? When if if someone mentions the will of God, what do we usually think of? Well, we think of, well, what school am I going to go to? Excuse me. What, uh, 
what person am I going to marry? Who am I going to marry? Or what job am I going to take? You know, or maybe I need to move. What is God's will for my life concerning ch- changing things in my life? And we, we put a list down of, of the things that, that we look to the future and we say, well, that's God's will. Well, we must understand that as Paul is discussing the will of God here, he's talking about the revealed will of God. The revealed will of God. There is, the, of course, the uh, sovereign will of God, which concerns all the details of your life. You know, where you gonna, who are you going to marry, where are you going to go, what ministry maybe God has for you, all those things. That's the sovereign will of God deciding things for you, leading you, just like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will what? Direct your path in life. So trusting the Lord to direct my path in the future, I need to do that. But what Paul is concerned about is the, that the church would be concerned with knowing more and more about God through his revealed will. And where do we find God's revealed will? You're holding it right here this morning. God's holy word. It's his word. Paul desired that they would be filled, the church would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And this refers to the word of God. Then he says, along with that, he says, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So now we can, you and I can learn the word of God. We can uh, memorize all the verses. You can know the Bible backwards and forwards and yet still not know the will of God, the revealed will of God. The only way we can truly understand the revealed will of God in his word is with spirit. Spiritual wisdom and understanding, as he puts it. That I have got to look through the eyes of the Spirit as the, as the Holy Spirit gives me an understanding of what God's Word says and how do I then apply it to my life. That is how we are then f- completely filled with the knowledge of God's will as the Holy Spirit gives us understanding. The, uh, King David wrote in Psalm 48, he said, I delight to do thy will, O my God, your law is within my heart. King David knew all about that. King David, many times he fell, he sinned against God. But yet he had a heart for God and his desire was to know the will of God and to do it. But how could he do it when he hid God's word in his heart and had spiritual wisdom and understanding of how to apply God's law, God's word into his life. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
If you go over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we see here the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, verse 10. We'll pick it up at verse 10, 10 through 16. Paul writes here to the church. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even what? The depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. So we can't know God without the help of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's saying here. And you and I as believers, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit within us, the spirit of Christ, who is there to give us understanding of the scriptures of the word of God and then how to apply it to my life and and we're gonna we're gonna see that as we go on verse 12 now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things freely given to us by God which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are not spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, or understands all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we, end of verse 16, have what? The mind of Christ. When I desire to have the mind of Christ and think like Jesus, it will cause me to act like Jesus and to do the things in my life that will be pleasing to the Father and Paul is making it clear that man can't understand the things of God. Therefore, he cannot know God. How many of you remember the day before you were saved? That any time you would maybe look into the Bible, you read something in the Bible, or you tried to read it. And you open it up and start reading and you'd say... Man, this doesn't make sense. I don't know what he's, what he's saying here. And the Bible was nothing but confusion to you before you knew the Lord. It was all a mystery. But then, when you came to know Christ, and I've spoken to a number of you who used to be there, and you share in your testimony how now, you're beginning to understand things of the word of God, understanding the scriptures, what God has said. And now when you open the word, guess what? The light bulb goes on, right? Do you recall those times now, believer, that, that you open God's word and you go, so that's what it means. Lord, I understand now. 
How did you get that understanding? How do we get that understanding? It's from the Holy Spirit within me who now has control of this body. And he has control of me if I am allowing him to control me and I am surrendering myself to the Lord and then I ask him for wisdom. Then suddenly he gives it to me. He gives me understanding of the word and then the spiritual wisdom and understanding the Holy Spirit gives me and that is applying the word of God to my life. John chapter 5, the Lord Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. We won't take time to turn to it. But this is what he said. And you do not, speaking to the religious guys who had all the knowledge of the scriptures, they could quote for you everything in the Old Testament. And Jesus said to them, you do not have the word abiding in you. In other words, you don't have it hidden in you. You don't know the word the word is not abiding you, having an effect in your life. For you do not believe him who sent me. He, then he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. We've got people who are going into the Bible and they think they'll, they'll find the answers without Christ. Without uh, knowing Christ and believing that he is the son of God. But you got people say, well, I'll, t I'll figure this book out. I'll make, and, and they take it and they think they know it, but it's all head knowledge, but not in the heart. And therefore they have no real understanding. And so Jesus said of the, the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these actually the scriptures that bear witness of me. Or testify of me. And you are unwilling to come to me, Jesus said, that you might have life. So Jesus made it clear. You can have all the knowledge of the scriptures. You can sit and try and memorize and learn and get it all up here. But unless Jesus Christ has, has come into your heart through his Holy Spirit and you've been saved, you won't have the spiritual discernment and understanding Turn back with me now then to Colossians chapter 1. So this was his first prayer. That they may be, uh, he's praying that they may be filled with the knowledge of the Lord in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. But then we come to verse 10. He goes on and now he's going to share his second request that he's praying for, his desire for the church. So that you may walk in a, worthy, a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There again, it's the increasing in the knowledge of God, that spiritual understanding. But what is he saying here in verse 10? He's saying, once you are filled with the knowledge of God's will through his word and have the spiritual wisdom understanding, I pray that that will cause you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to be pleasing to him in all aspects. Basically, Paul is talking about my, my life, my walk, my behavior, the way I live before the world and before God. And I have to ask myself, Lord, am I truly pleasing you in my life? 
with the way I walk, the way I think. When I am filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with His Word, and, and I allow the Holy Spirit to control me, and I ask Him, Lord, you control me and keep the old man, uh, uh, you know, defeated in my life. Because we all have that old nature, and suddenly we'll, suddenly we'll find ourselves uh, that we've sinned. There's something in our life where sin has entered in, and we've fallen into temptation. And what then? We get discouraged. We feel unworthy. But then we confess our sin. We acknowledge it. Confess it to the Lord, and what does he do? He forgives us and washes that sin away by the blood of Christ. And so here, Paul's second desire is that they walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4 with me now. Ephesians 4, and it's two books back. So if you're looking for it, you're in Colossians Go back to Philippians, and then before Philippians is Ephesians. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. Paul says the same thing to the church at Ephesus. And basically he's saying this to us because this is God's word to our hearts this morning. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you or beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So what is walking worthy? What does it include? What does it involve? He, he gives the details in verse 2. He explains. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What did Paul just describe in verse 2 and 3? What, what do we call those things? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians chapter 5. And th so this is the product of me, if, if I take this seriously and... Paul is praying for the church that they might uh, know the will of God, have a knowledge of the will of God, and then understand it, understand God's word, and then apply it. When I apply it to my life with the power of the Holy Spirit, I begin to, uh, and then uh, I am beginning to walk in the Spirit, which is a manner worthy of the Lord, which means he is pleased with the way I'm walking. And what does that walk involve? It involves attitudes. It involves that whole list of uh, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, gentleness, meekness, kindness, long-suffering, patience. All those things are, are there, will, will be seen in your life and mine as we walk in a worthy manner. So if you'll go back quickly to Colossians 1 again, I wanted you to see that, to understand what walking in a worthy manner of the Lord really means. And he, he then says, this is what I'm praying for. I'm praying that you would walk in this worthy manner. 
in all pleasing the Lord in all aspects. And the rest of verse 10, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of, the, of God. Bearing fruit. There it is again. What kind of fruit? Spiritual fruit. Again, the fruits of the Spirit. Look back on this past week. And do you recall times when you could actually say the Holy Spirit was working through me because I was patient with somebody or over a situation. I, I actually was kind. I didn't retaliate. I actually was gentle with someone. I was patient with someone. I was gentle with someone. Think back. I think many times we, when we think back, we think more the opposite, that we've done the fruits of the flesh, right? We've gotten angry. We've gotten impatient. And, and yeah, we can make a big list of that. But the Apostle Paul is concerned here about bearing fruit in every good work and then continuing in the knowledge of God. But then to conclude here, verses 11 through 14, we're going to put 11 through 14 together because of time. Let's pick it up at verse 11. Now Paul shares the next prayer request. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. Here, Paul's desire, third desire, is that they would be strengthened with all power according to whose power? God's glorious might. The power of God. And what is the power of God supposed to do in your life and mine when we ask God for it and we, we say, Lord, I can't do this. I need you to do it. He says, this is for the, the purpose, for the power. To obtain all steadfastness and patience. Notice he doesn't say, uh, I'm praying that you, you believers will have the power of God working in your life so that you can just get out of, out of your situation. That you can change what's, what's happening to you, the way things are, the, the things you don't like, the trial you're in. And, and, and just, you know, yes, he, he gives us power. He can do that. God can do that if he so wills to release us from something and to heal us. But what is Paul concerned about here? He says that I'm praying that you believers would experience the power of God for this. That in the trial, that in your walk with the Lord, that you might have the, he might give you the power to be steadfast. What does he mean by that? He's talking about being steadfast in your faith. Lord, I'm trusting you no matter what. I can't do it in my own strength. Lord, you have got to do it in me through your Holy Spirit. And so it's Paul is saying, I want you to understand what it means to lean on the Lord's power, his almighty power. In the midst of your life and trials, 
Not so that you can get out of the situation, but that you can be strong in the situation. And he will strengthen your spirit. And you, you would become steadfast. And the next one is what? Patience. That God's power might work in you to give you patience. And what is that? Well, we look at the life of Job, right? What did Job, I mean, it looked like many times he was impatient with God. He wanted to be delivered, but yet he learned patience. He learned through the, the Spirit of God, giving him patience. And so he experienced the power of God to endure. And that's what Paul's concerned about, that you and I would be able to endure what's, what we're going through. And we can get through it, but only if we rely on his power, the supernatural power of Christ that lives in me. And in you is that power. The power of the living God lives inside your body. And he will allow it to strengthen you and to hold you up and to give you victory in your life. Victory over sin. If you've been struggling with sin, you've been struggling with temptation, how do I get through that? How do I deal with my sin? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God in my life that gives me the power not to sin. How crucial this is to understand this. The word power here in the text, in the Greek, is the Greek word uh, dunamis. Dunamis. Which is where we get our English word dynamite. Dynamite. Any of you guys ever work with dynamite? No? I'm glad you didn't. You probably wouldn't be here if you did. Now, we're gonna, people are going to try and work with dynamite coming up very soon. July 4th. Suddenly, boom, boom, boom. And, uh, but th think of it. The power of God is at work in your heart and life to give you a steadfastness and patience. And then he, see, he goes on. He says, and then... I'm praying that you'll, you will give thanks to the Father, verse 12, joyously, the end of verse 11, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness. What is he saying there? He's saying, church, the last thing I'm asking, praying for, is that you would be joyously thankful for what God has done for you, for his salvation, and for what he has prepared for you, an inheritance, eternal life, a home in heaven, something you can't even imagine that God has given to you in Christ, and it's all given to you because you put your faith and trust in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you know the situation of my brother Bevan, and many of you have been praying for him. I thank you for those prayers. Um, I brought with me a little clip that I want to show you, video clip, as we close here. And this video clip um, is of my brother five years ago, okay, before he was diagnosed with stage four bladder cancer. And my brother, being in the ministry, he, his, one of his hobbies was weightlifting. And you can tell that's one of my hobbies too, can't you? <laughs> so, 
<clears throat> but you look at him, he was a specimen of health and strength. And I want to show you, give you a glimpse of my brother's strength five years ago. He was 58 years old when this video was taken. It's a very brief video of him in the gym. But being a weightlifter, uh, he was 58 years old. And what you will see is my brother doing a squat of weights. Okay. And what he is squatting at age 58 was... 545 pounds. He's going to take it. He's going to go all the way down and all the way up with it. 545 pounds. Now, what's not on video is two years later when he was 60 years old. He, he went and he reached 555 pounds at age 60. And that's what he was shooting for because that is unofficially a world record for a 60 year old in lifting that much weight. He looked it up and, and looked all, everything up and, and he found that the, that, that weight at, at a 60 year old man weighing was basically a, a world record. Of course, he didn't call Guinness Book or anything like that, but he was trying to achieve that goal. And here you will see him this is, of course, the one that's not the world record, but this is the one uh, when he was 58, two years before, 545 pounds. Greg, could you run it? All right, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? How you doing? Coming to you from LA Fitness. It's my man, Bevan, 58. You're talking about 545s and one quart on each side. It's a lot of weight. Squat. All natural. Here he goes. Remember now, I said 58. Ageless wonder. Most circles you'll call him crazy or this and that. In, my, in our circle, he is known as a G-fine. Genetic freak of nature. Come on, Bevan. Look at that form. And there you have it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Thank you. That was my brother. And I always admired him and his perseverance, strength, and, 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 and what he could do physically, his strength. But suddenly then, out of the blue, and... Uh, just the uh, last year, he got the diagnosis of stage four cancer. And I brought a picture with me of myself, Bevan, and my sister, Wendy. I'd like to show you a picture of him now. There's my brother now. He doesn't look the same. Lost all of that muscle. He's weak, he's lost his appetite, he's losing strength. And they even had to stop, they, he finished the chemo treatment. He was hoping that at the end of the chemo treatment, that that was gonna be light at the end of the tunnel and suddenly he'd get his appetite back, get it, start gaining weight again, gaining strength back, but it hasn't been happening. Because they started then, after th three weeks of ending the chemo, they started immunotherapy treatments 
which is, again, an injection. of It's like a chemo <clears throat> injected into you. It's every three weeks, but it's a very powerful drug. They gave it to him the first time. <clears throat> Suddenly, he came down with an infection. Suddenly, he was even more fatigued and weak. They couldn't even get out of bed. He's trying to recover from that. The doctor said, let's stop the immunotherapy right now. And right now, there, it's a wait and see. In two weeks, he's going to go back to the doctor. They're going to test his labs and see where he's at. But uh, things are real difficult right now. But I have found more courage in my brother than I ever knew he had. And more strength. And it's not the physical strength that he once knew. But he is now experiencing the strength that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. He was saying being strengthened in the spirit with all the might of God. And my brother is experiencing that power of God in his heart and in his weak body. It is strengthening his mind when he feels like thrown in the towel, giving up. What's the use? Maybe you're there this morning. You're saying, what's the use? I don't think I can make it. I don't think I can go on. But my brother has encouraged me as I've talked to him and he shared with me that, yes, I'm, I get discouraged. But I keep going back to the Lord and asking him for the strength. And it goes back to uh, what the Apostle Paul referred to when pa Paul talked about his thorn in the flesh. And God, he prayed three times that God would heal him. And what did God say? No, Paul. Sometimes he'll say no to our prayers for healing or anything else so that he might what? So that in my weakness, his power may be made perfect. And Paul said, that's what God wanted me to know. My grace is sufficient for you. And in the grace of God, that is where you and I will get our power to be able to endure what we have to go through. Whether it's the valley of the shadow of death. My dear friends, I'm so proud of my brother. He's standing upon, he, he has the word of God in his heart. He's standing upon God and he's relying on the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit in his life at this moment. When he can't do anything himself. And I appreciate, again, he wants to thank everybody at Jonestown Bible Church for all your prayers. My friend, this week as you leave here, would you surrender your weakness to the Lord? And say, Father, I want you to give me the grace to be able to handle what comes my way, what I'm facing. And Lord, give me the inner power, the strength. This dunamis that you have promised you can give through your Holy Spirit in me. Lord, help me. Call on him and he will answer you. And you will know that strength, dear brothers and sisters. Let's pray together. As we bow before the Lord this morning. Dear Christian, perhaps... You are battling in your weakness, in your own personal life, whatever situation it is, that you've been struggling 
with it. You haven't had answers, and you haven't seen God answer prayer. He wants to fill you with his power and strength that is supernatural to be able to carry the weight and endure with patience and be steadfast. He will give that to you if you surrender to him and surrender and say, Lord, I can't do this in my own strength. And just turn it over to him. Let go and release it to the Lord. And watch what God will do in your life. Give him the burden. Give him yourself. And ask him for that strength. If you're here without Christ this morning, you don't know him as Savior, I invite you to open your heart. Trust Jesus Christ who died on that cross for you. And he took your punish, the punishment for your sin there. He bore your sins on the cross so that you wouldn't have to die and go to hell. But you could have forgiveness of sin if you but place your faith and trust in Jesus to save you. If you're ready to do that, pray this, a simple prayer like this with me right now. Just pray it right from your heart. Mean it sincerely. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now. Wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now a child of God. You've been born again. Welcome to the family. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your precious word. And Father, may Paul's prayer be our prayer for ourselves and for others, Lord. And Father, we ask that you might give us the strength, Lord, to go on. And to face the trials that come into our life. And the fiery temptations, Lord. You have promised to give us that power. And Father, we are asking for that power. And Father, we know that in our hearts we will have victory. Though our outward circumstances may not change. Encourage the saints this day, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.